on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hockey Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We recap OU's beatdown of Tulsa. We also recap the other great games of week three in college football, and we give you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and rise to good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's beautiful Sunday, September 17th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of September, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this Sunday afternoon, please leave us a five-star review with a nice comment. Ted, the Oklahoma Sooners are 3-0. That's right. 3-0. Uh, I don't know how people felt after the SMU game. I think there was a mixed bag. Uh, you got to feel pretty good after yesterday's performance, I think. Yeah. No, I'm with you. And before we dive into the recap of the game, great job, Sooner Nation. I I, I kind of felt bad for the Tulsa players, right? Their stadium just got yeah. taken over by OU fans and we know how many OU fans are in Tulsa right but to see it and that was the first time I've ever been there that's the first time I've ever been to that stadium it was kind of strange I couldn't believe that but it was it was impressive right what what do you think the ratio was 80 20 yeah I had to be 80 20 75 25 maybe but credit Tulsa awesome tailgate setup oh yeah we walked around fantastic It was really good. Shout out to Alpha Grill for uh, maybe the best loaded baked potato I've ever had. That was uh, such like- a bold choice for you, man, to house that right before the broadcast. That was that was unlike you. It was a lot of food, but hey, it was awesome. It was a, I mean, that was that was a cool setup. I I really enjoyed that. That was a fun atmosphere, and all in all, really good trip to T Town. Yeah. So great job, Sooner Nation. Way to bring the energy for that football game. All right. Five turnovers. Is that right? Yeah. Is that five interceptions? Five interceptions. First time since 2003. Pretty good. Yep. So we're going to start with the defense. Uh, let's get right to it, man. What'd you think of OU's defensive performance? I thought it was good. Um, all in all, really good. I, this time I actually did tally 
um, the different passing stuff because, you know, I've, I've been saying that they just – teams aren't getting five out on us and it's really limiting what they're able to do in the passing game. Um, we had four drop back passes where they got five wides out. Now, they were running that like, you know, the 618, the quick, you know, I was counting that as three-step because it's just a one read and bang. It's hard to get pressure on that. Uh, bunch of max pro. Bunch of boot, bunch of sprint, bunch of three-step, couple six-man protections. So only four uh, five-man protections against our four-man rush. So I, I that continues to be a big weapon for our defense. Um, some guys that I thought played well, Stutzman obviously had a another huge game. Uh, the pick six was, was awesome. Maybe the best play of the day for him was the uh, attempted – personal foul uh flop later in the game that was funny um wildly entertaining and (laughs) and a nice display of athleticism on like the back hand spread i don't even know what you call what he did but (laughs) that was so funny he almost kicked the referee (laughs) on his way up uh but that was cool he he played uh he played another really really good game um, I thought Gentry Williams played a really good game, had a couple of really nice tackles. Obviously, the interception was great. Uh, I thought Trace Ford was really good at times. Um, I thought Isaiah Coe had a pretty good game. Really, um, Dejon Terry, interior D-line I thought was pretty good. Better pad level on the double teams. Uh, some of their twists and games are starting to look really good. Some of them in the in the running game, there's a, some twists that they run. And in the passing game as well, uh, I thought Luulu played another really, really solid game. He's starting to develop, you know, a really good feel for the interior pass rush. He's he's kind of getting this late spin move whenever he gets to an edge, and then the O lineman really starts to commit and maybe gets a little too square on him. And he spins out. He's starting to have some success with that. I thought PJ looked pretty good at times, doing some really good things. He, you know, he had to drop a couple times and, and looked good. Um, so all in all, I thought generally pretty good stuff from the defense. Did now they did find some success, right? In a couple of drives, you think with second quarter, and then was that the first drive out of the half where they found a little success? What? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Is that right? So. I think that's right. But what? What was going on? Right? Because that's that's when OU Twitter starting to erupt. Like, what's going on? What's the problem here? What What kind of stood out to you when they did find success in those drives? There were very few plays that really there was a problem. Um, there was one of them, a couple of toss plays that they ran early um, that had us gashed a little bit. On one of them, I think uh, Stutzman and Kanick were lined up wrong, and and that hurt us in that the the very first toss. That one got out the gate a little bit. There was another one where um, Stutzman had a missed tackle, but it was it was weird how that play developed. Um, you know, he ended up being one on one in a huge amount of space. That was going to be a tough play. Um, you know, you know they did get five out on us once, and the quarterback broke contained but here's one of the problems with that and this happened a couple of times in the game incredibly late getting lined up um on one of them 
the the entire defensive line is still standing up. So they're late to get to the rush, go down the middle of guys, quarterbacks able to escape out. Um, one of them was just a flat-out bust. Macari Vickers thought he was a rolled-up corner playing uh, playing the flat and not playing quarters. And we just – we have he thought he had someone over the top, and he didn't. So we just let a guy run straight up for a touchdown. Um, he, a couple of times we had – are you know we have this four-man rush where we drop the edge player one of the defensive ends drops and plays the flat and a backer blitzes right so it's a four-man rush but it can be difficult for the offensive line because you don't know necessarily who the four are going to be and you can find some mismatches there defensive end can drop out and you have a you know you have a tackle over there and perhaps a guard that are blocking nobody and you're rushing four on the other side the problem with that is multiple times when we ran that package and the defensive end drops out, we totally lose contain on the quarterback. Like If you're dropping a defensive end out and you're running a, a four-man rush, there has to be some type of contain at some point looping back from the other side. And I don't know if that's a design flaw. Be I, I can't imagine that it is or that we are getting too gummed up in there on some of the stunt stuff so quarterback would get out of contain and then hit us down the field on some plays um you know the one touchdown i thought was i talked about the vickers one the other one was just a really late lazy adjustment from our safeties reggie pearson's super late getting over there he's too like just you know Joggy is there's no sense of urgency in the late adjustment to get over there and get matched up. He gets out of position, then he's in a panic and he's trying to drive and break late, and it's an out and up, and he gets he gets totally exposed. So, uh, you know, got to be a little quicker to adjust there. Um, we're back to the one of my biggest pet peeves that we saw last year, and have Ooh, been can I better. guess? Go ahead and guess it. Pass rushers rushing past the level of the quarterback. Stop rushing past the quarterback. You cannot do it. It is you are eliminating yourself from the play and you're exposing the entire defense. It's like it's the it, it could, you're going to make mistakes adjusting at times. Offenses are trying to do that to you. You're you're going to get crossed up in run fits, you know. Whenever there's a bunch of guys coming across and they're they're trying to create some chaos on the gaps, you're going to get beat every now and then in one on one plays, right? You're going to miss some tackles out there. Those things are going to happen whenever you're playing defense. This cannot happen. It is a day one pass rush defensive line, I topic that you have to cover and you can't especially it can never happen but especially whenever you have an athletic quarterback it, it, you just completely open the gate to the he's got the entire field to run around it's just it's so frustrating it's lazy as hell it's i don't know you get these big eyes and you think you're going to run some big hoop around this tackle and and make a play on an athletic quarterback it's just not going to happen we got to eliminate that. But for the most part, 
those were those were the busted plays or the mistakes, which you know you can't happen. It can't happen on the coverage. You can't be late and you can't have the free runner and not know where you are. And if you don't know, like Vickers, if you're not sure, run with the guy down the field, right? Adam, like if you want to give up the flat, we'll give up the flat if you're not sure. Right? Don't give up the, the deep part of the field. If, if all else fails, run deep. Um, but for the most part, no real, no real fatal flaws of of like guys getting blown off the football, linebackers being blocked on the second level, defensive backs getting beat. I just didn't think that was the case at all. For the most part, athletically and physically, we dominated. Um, just a couple of things happened. Like, and and I talked to Stutzman after the game about it. Like, for whatever reason, there were some they were getting some calls in late, and I think maybe that's adjusting to personnel or something that Tulsa was doing, and you could see that affect the game a little bit. So, um, just got to get get that stuff cleaned up a little bit, but. Overall, I thought you know, for the mistakes, very limited amount and very fixable. Yeah. So in in summation, when it came to them scoring points, Vickers was – he thought he was on the cloud side. He was on the man side. Mm -hmm. Was not the flat player. Was supposed to be a deep third player. Or was supposed to be a man player. Yeah. Not yep. good, but hey, correctable. It's, it's correctable. Right. But he did make a couple of nice plays. Yeah. You know, you could tell he's inexperienced out there, which he is. And this is a good time to get some experience. And it's a good time to have a, a mental lapse and a breakdown in a game that, you know, you, you know, you're going to end up winning. Like those things are going to happen. Guys are going to go out. Young guys going to go out and make mistakes. That's just, that's football. There's a learning curve here. Rarely. Uh, do guys show up and right out of the gate they're able to 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 not make any mental mistakes? But all that stuff pretty fixable. Yeah, the the sprint pass touchdown, it's good play. We should steal that play. The old out and up. Yep. That yeah. That mean you don't you don't see that. That's a classic. You see it run down on the goal line. It's one of your fourth down plays for him to turn it up like that. That's I mean that's really tough, man. That's yep. really tough. But yeah. I, the only other question I have for you is the the cheetah spot. We're banged up, man. Mm -hmm. Right? It sounds like Harrington's going to be out for a long time, if not the entire season. Right? McCullough, who knows how long the high ankle takes. Like, what what do you think of how that position looked overall? I thought it looked good overall, but I will admit we didn't get tested a whole lot in it uh this week you know it was it was a it was a very straightforward i all 11 personnel and 12 personnel they played a lot of 12 personnel with two tight ends um that ends up making it really easy on the cheetah spot uh just kind of playing the edge a whole lot like almost like a true sandbacker type of spot so i thought it was i thought it was good i didn't see any any guys getting exposed there but again like not not a game to where you can say we're either going to be good there or we've got problems there. It was just it was it's kind of easy game for the cheetah position. Um, just to mention some guys that I thought played well, Stutzman, um, Gentry Williams, 
think I already mentioned those. Gentry Williams made some really nice plays in the run game. Uh, came up real we, physical out on the perimeter. We got to get the stingers to go away, man. Yeah. Yep. I mean that 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 shoulder is clearly. I mean, it's clearly giving him issues. I killed. And that was pretty early in the game. Had to miss some drives. Then he was back out there. Then he was back out. Like, hopefully they can figure out what's going on there because it's clear he – guy's a player. Yeah, he's good. Just got to really keep that – got to keep that shoulder from – he's got to keep feeling in the shoulder. How about there? Yeah, that, that helps. Um, thought Trace Ford had some really good stuff. He's active, man. He's He's really athletic. He moves around really well. He had some really good drops. You know, I mentioned the the where we're dropping a de- an edge guy out and bringing a backer to create a four-man rush just from some different angles. He had some really nice drops from that defensive end position. Um, we ran some twist, twist games um, right there on the edge for some of their inside zone stuff to, to create some chaos there, and some of that worked really good. Um, I thought Isaiah Coe played a really good game. Um, he and Dejon Terry are – they're playing lower against the double teams. They split a bunch of double teams. Um, he had a couple of nice rushes, had the big sack, had a tackle for loss right after it. Um, all in all, not a whole lot of complaints. You know, just just a couple of things there that – and, I, again, I think that second quarter was – a little bit of taking our foot off the gas for whatever reason and nothing for me to be too concerned about. Yeah. They, and and obviously we'll talk about what the offense did as well, but they, they handled Tulsa the way that they should. That's not a good football team. We probably should have started with that. I mean, that, that is, that's not a good football team. It's not a talented football team. Now it's a well-coached football team. But, yeah, they they were bigger, faster, stronger. All you had to do was stand on the field for warm-ups. Yeah. I mean, Tulsa is – they're a long way away from being where they need to be from a personnel standpoint. But you, you played the team that's on the schedule, man. That's right. And they beat the hell out of the team they should beat the hell out of. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Tulsa's got – they're going to have some headwinds getting the the personnel in that they need. Uh, there was you, you're right. You brought it up whenever we were down there. There is a there was a a very noticeable size discrepancy between the two teams. <laughs> Their offensive skill guys looked like a high school team. Yeah, that's what I said. Your your sugar coat, and I was like, oh my sugar gosh, <laughs> they look like a high school team. That's exactly yeah. what I said, and it's true. Yeah, but they got, they got to get some size. Yeah, they got to get some size. We'll see. I'm hoping it works out for Wilson. Anything else defensively with what you saw? I don't think so. All right, let's talk about what we saw from OU's offense against Tulsa. But first, Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and you can scan the barcode on at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Loves Connect app unlocks exclusive deals can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Loves Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Loves Travel Stops. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile-to-go zone and, of course, 
Don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Hamori. It's hunting time in Oklahoma. And if you're looking to buy some hunting property, the land doctors can help you find the ideal ranch. They build custom hunting lodges and lakes and can turn Oklahoma's raw land into your personal playground. If you'd like to sell some land or simply want to add to your portfolio, then call Colton Cole at 405-615-7645 or visit LandDoctors.com. And celebrate with a Schooner All-American Ale, the official craft beer of OU Athletics from Coop Aleworks, named after the iconic Sooner Schooner that races across Owen Field after an OU score. You can join in on the celebration with an ice-cold beer from Coop Aleworks. You can enjoy it at the Palace on the Prairie, at OU Athletics events, at the bar, at the tailgate, and in the comfort of your own home. For more information on Schooner All-American Ale, visit schoonerale.com. Must be 21 to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Schooner All-American Ale, the taste of game day. All right, OU offense. Loved how aggressive they were in the passing game. Woo! Loved they got it. after it, didn't they? Loved it. The tone setter right off the start, right? Let that thing fly right off the bat. Did they run it as efficiently as I want them to? No. No. Did they move guys off the football like they should against a team like Tulsa? They did not. Should we be concerned? Yes, we should. The double team, the movement, and we'll get to the offensive line. The double teams are not getting movement in the zone schemes. I call them zone schemes. You, we, we've been over that. But the movement at the point of attack, when it's two guys blocking one guy, it's just not good enough. We'll get there. Let's start. Let's start with Dylan Gabriel. 28 to 31 for five touchdowns and an interception. That'll work. Yeah. That'll work. And the interception, it's max protection. The tackle and tight end just let the edge player go. It's on the tight end, right? It's in the tight end's gap. Now, Jacob Sexton, could he have stayed there and helped? Yes, of course. Help the tight ends, but don't love the fact that you're asking a tight end to block the edge guy one-on-one, but it's it's true slide max protection, and your quarterback gets hit and throws an interception as a result of it. Should not happen. That, I, I don't really put much on Gabriel for that, but he was about as aggressive as I've seen him since he's been at OU when it came to pushing the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought he made good decisions with the football again. I thought he did a nice job of manipulating the coverage with his eyes at some points, right? Holding that middle safety, kind of keeping him guessing where he was going to go with the football. He's still, and this is super nitpicky, but he's still a beat late on some throws. But, I mean, he just, he continues to play at a really, really high level for this football team. He's making really good decisions with the football. He's taking care of it. I mean, that's that's a nice day's work for QB1, man. That was that was pretty dang good. Yeah, I, I thought he was great. Um, thought he was really good. Yeah, you know, we've talked about some of those deep balls and, um, it's just, it's like, as soon there's as like two a game where you're going, wait, wh- what happened? Like, did the ball fall out of your hand or it's like two or three throws a game where you're just like, yeah. wait, what was that? Yep. And I, you know, I, I got no, no complaints. Like, I don't, I don't think you're going to see some of those things happen, you know, whether it's, um, 
you never know. Like maybe there's a, a, a bad route or he got something a little bit different in coverage than he expected and it affects his throw. He's maybe there's some indecision there. I don't know, but 28 to 31 for five touchdowns. Um, I, I thought he was great. I thought he was really accurate. Thought he made some nice runs on the throw. Uh, all in all, fantastic game from uh, DG. Yeah. Jackson Arnold, is it time to retire the QB power? Uh, Well, yeah. Yeah, yes. Yes, it is. It is. Has not been overly effective. Now, we saw him line up in receiver. They had a different package for him, right? They eventually got to the reverse pass in that sequence, and it didn't work. But, hey, little creativity there from Jeff Levy. You're getting him on the field. But if we've talked about this, when the guy just plays quarterback, pretty good, <laughs> pretty dang good. I mean, that what was that? Nick Anderson's third touchdown. That yes. ball was on a line right there. Yep. I mean, an absolute dime, just a beautiful throw. Clearly, I mean, everyone could see the arm talent, but yeah, there he's extremely involved. Right, I, I guess yeah. that's that's a positive, but continues to be a little strange the way that they're using him. And I, I don't mind it at all. I actually like it, and I really, to me, it doesn't really matter a whole lot how much success they have with it, because I know that defensively, as a staff, you have to try and figure out. They've done something with him every game. They're going to do something against us. What might that be? And you start, you have to go back through all of their old film and where everywhere Levy's been and everywhere like people that he's coached with have been and what packages they had when they had a, a second quarterback that was athletic. It it's a It's a time vacuum for defensive coaches. So I don't care what they do with him. Uh, if they want to run out there and run like a fumble ruski or double reverse pass, it's it's a it's a time sucker for the defensive staff you're about to play. They're chasing ghosts. That's it. Right? Well, what are they gonna do with them? And yeah, I'm sure it's just so annoying. Yeah. For it is. for the other coaching staffs. But hey, he's out on the field, he's getting he's getting reps, which is important. But when he just lines up and plays quarterback. Looks pretty dang good. Uh, good. The running backs. Strange, right? Barnes yeah. and Sawchuck. We saw Tawi get 20-plus carries last week. Didn't even touch it. Marcus Major, I think he had one carry, and it actually looked really good. It was the best they've run outside zone all year long. Not even close. And Rouse gets called for the hold, and it comes back. Now, the hold, meh. Probably a a flag you throw, but I'm not going to be mad at him for it. But we did see them get to some of the two back stuff, right? Where we, we would been wondering a lot leading up to the season, if they would get to any of that, the backs in those situations were Barnes and Sawchuck. But yeah, we only saw Tawi Walker on the short yardage package and he was being used as a blocker. And then, I mean, Marcus major got no run. It was all Barnes and Sawchuck, Ted. It's weird. It's like 
Major and Tawi go one week and Barnes and Sawchuck go the next. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in the in that personnel decision making. Um and frankly, I don't care. I just want whoever's in the backfield to perform well, protect when you're asked to, and in the running game, hit some holes, make the free guy miss, uh, get some good hard yardage whenever you know it's packed in there. Um, I really don't care. At this point, have you developed a opinion on what guy or couple of guys look best? I still think Marcus Major looks the best. I think he looks the most dynamic. Now, clearly, I, I I know the health history is what it is, but I would like to see them find ways to get him the ball in space. The, the frustrating thing about it, for me, just with how, like, my philosophy when it comes to running the football, he's a perfect outside zone back. He's perfect. Mm-hmm. He's perfect. He's big. He's physical. He's a guy, he's like a one-cut guy, right? He, he's decisive. And then yeah, and then downhill. pour it downhill. Like he's perfect for outside zone. We just don't run well, it. Do you think that do you think they're kind of because of the injury history? You think that's why he's seen limited time up till now? Could be, right? I mean, going through the non-conference, I know SMU. Right, the staff was, you know, they knew that was going to be their toughest test. So, yeah, maybe you're getting them to conference play. I mean, that could that could be it. But, I mean, even if you're doing that, don't you give the guy more than one touch? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. But Barnes, I thought Barnes, he he did some good things. He still looks like rusty to me. And and some of the one of the most frustrating things is like a couple of the plays that were actually blocked, like the best plays that they blocked up. He he like didn't see the hole well at all. I mean, I sent you a couple of the clips. Mm-hmm. It's so and Demarco's going to be all over him for that. But when they actually did have some nice double teams in the zone game, it's like he didn't see it. And he bounced out into unblocked guys, and they were minimal games. He continues to be what I call a four-step cutter. One, yeah. two, three, four. And it it's just, I don't know. He doesn't he doesn't quite look all the way back to me. And neither does Sachet. Now it was great to see him out there. Mm-hmm. It was great. I was happy he got out there on the field. I'm not sure he's quite comfortable fully opening that thing up, though. Yeah. Right. I mean, you got him the ball in space a little bit, but and and I think it's clear he can he he's going to help this team if he's healthy, right? But I don't know. I I wouldn't say tentative. Just he kind of looked like he was playing at about eighty five percent speed or something like that. It it, yeah. it did not look how it looked in the Cheez It Bowl last year, if that makes sense. No, I agree. I agree. That's I I, I think that's pretty much. What I saw with the backs, um, I I agree. I think Marcus Major, I, I never would have guessed this, but I think Marcus Major is their best guy on the perimeter and in space Yeah, right I, now. I, now, I think Sawchuck will end up being that guy, but 
you know, don't know how much he trusts it right now. And like you said, 85%, but I, I don't know right now. I expect to see majority Marcus major Tolly Walker for the next game. I, I have no idea what to assume. I, I know I've got no idea. Okay. Let's move on to the wide receivers. Uh, Drake Stoops, he is the RPO king. Yep. Right? Dylan Gabriel likes the box or doesn't like the box scout, throws it out to Drake Stoops, catches all the short stuff, had two touchdowns, probably should have had a third. But, yeah, just continues to do damage there close to the line of scrimmage, uh, blocking. I mean, he as always, blocking his ass off when he has to. Loved what I saw from Farouk. Just get the guy touches, man. Yep. Good good things happen when you get this guy the ball. And he's he's not gonna blow back, like blow by people as a route runner. Like he doesn't have that type of speed. Like you see from Andrell Anthony. Like he can just run by guys. Right. But Farouk doesn't have that type of speed, but he's got good suddenness and feel for like the shorter stuff, like the slants, the skinnies, like the in breaking routes. And they they got him some of the hey just some of the speed sweep stuff again like we saw yeah. last year and good things happened man I, I liked what I saw from Farouk yeah I agree and um, I think all of the wide receivers had a really good week of attacking the football right going out there and making plays with their hands instead of waiting on the ball to get to them which we saw a little bit previously attacked the football thought Drake did a really good job. Like that catch the touchdown in the North end zone. It was like, maybe instead of being like right here in front of him, it was kind of straight up and he had to turn like all the way back towards DG and make a great catch as he's falling backwards. That was a good one. Farouk attacking that slant. I, I thought all in all those guys attacking the football was really good. And I don't know if this is a hot take or not, you know who I think the best running back? I was just thinking this as we were talking about. You know who I think the best running back on the team is? Who? Jalil Farouk. Hmm. I think if you line him up at running back, he'd be the best back on the team. I just, I know that sounds strange, but I think he's got really good vision. He's got feel. Like he gets out on the perimeter, he sets up blocks. Like he's just got a nice feel to him. Yeah. Quick cuts. I, I know they're never going to play him at running back. Don't get me wrong, but. It's just what I watch him. I'm like, that guy plays like a running back. I don't know. If uh, number four keeps coming around, got to have your best players on the field. Yeah, four and five. Baylor took a Mike Backer and turned him into a running back. I mean, I think it makes more sense if he did it with a receiver. I mean, he's got a, a nice physical build to him. Not a small guy. He looks like a running back. Yeah. I'm just saying. But, yeah, let's talk about. Nick Anderson. Story of the game, right? Uh, I mean, just so physically gifted. We've been talking a lot about it. And it was really cool. Had a ton of family there. By the way, you ever seen his dad? No, but you were telling me. Whoa. I think it was his dad. Like, he it was holding, like, his like his gym bag that the guys travel with. Uh-huh. I, I'm assuming it was his dad. Basically looked like James Harrison. I was like, who is that guy? Oh, my gosh. But uh, it was awesome to see 
Nick Anderson have that type of day. He can run by guys. He's got speed. My favorite play of the day, love the catch and run for the second touchdown, right? Route running, suddenness to stop, catch the ball, get up field, stiff arm a guy, go score. Yep. That's what it looks like, right? He is, for me, he is by far the most physically impressive receiver we have when you talk about the combination of what you want at that position. And I'm just excited to see where it goes from here. He's got first round wide receiver makeup with no doubt. his measurables. And from everything I've seen from him, he blocks his ass off out on the perimeter. Uh, you can't cover him on deep stuff. He can flat run by you. You know, some guys, some of the taller guys, whenever they're running deep stuff, it's more about being able to go over the top of someone on a ball. It's not the case with him. He could run, he could just straight run by guys. Uh, he's great after the catch. I, I think he's our best receiver. I, I've been now, saying it, man. It does. He, he, we don't know the consistency, but I, when he's been out there, I haven't seen anything bad when he's been out there. We've seen times where he's not out there, and that's like the only thing that you can hold against him, and it's not his fault, is we just haven't seen a whole lot of him yet. Yeah. I hope we see more. I think we're about to. I hope we see more. Now, Andrew Anthony, right, tone setter on the first play. And, hey, if DG puts it out there a little more, puts it out there a little sooner, that's probably a touchdown. I mean, he just – Steps on the guy's toes on the post and runs by him. I mean, just runs by him. But that speed's important. That threat, like it's it's something that defenses have to pay attention to. It's something that they have to have a plan for. But I've been really impressed. He continues also to block really well in a lot of the RPO stuff on the edge when they're throwing those bubbles and quicks. So he has he has exceeded my expectations, right? I, I think he is he's playing he's playing some good ball, Ted. Yep. No, I agree. I I feel much better about the wide receiver group than I did a week ago. I'm with you. Jaden Gibson had the really nice catch. And that was a that was a laser from DG on that seam ball, but to catch it the way that he did with his hands, really nice play. Uh it was it it's good to see him continue to make positive plays right this team need they need him to come along he came in in the red zone and i was like okay they're gonna throw him one up down in the corner of the end zone he kept splitting over to that left side uh they never got to it but i i think he's he he's going to be a weapon this year in the in the red zone i think yeah all right tight end group not much from the group as a whole right we only saw you know a handful of snaps from Blake Smith. Now they did get to a few 12 personnel snaps, but just not much of an impact on the football game for him. Stogner caught a pass, but I, he's just with what we've seen up to this point, it just, I do not think he's going to be a threat as a pass catcher. He's trying his best man to mix it up as a blocker. I mean, he really is. I, Please use your hands, Austin Stogner. <laughs> like, please. Uh, and in all seriousness, and you talked about it on the broadcast, like some of these zone insert game, 
right? Where he's inserting and it basically kind of, it's not quite old school ISO, but it's him and a backer one-on-one, right? In some of these situations, he's ducking his head and it's dangerous, man. He's got to stop doing it. Mm-hmm. He's got to stop doing it. Now it's bad technique. It does. It's not going to help you block guys, but it's also dangerous. He's got to stop it. Yep. You've got to keep your head up. You got to bow your neck. You got to use your hands. You can't go in there hands wide, head down. It's the, every time I see it, like I, I like I'm watching the film going, uh, I don't like doing that. Please stop. Yep. No, I agree. I agree. I, I, I wish that our, our tight ends are not a part of our passing game. They're just not at all aside from running a little what amounts to a check down is what Stogner caught right and they'll catch some things on those little flat routes where they're releasing straight to the flat we need to find a guy that will just put his hand down and block his ass off and will come off the ball and will come across the formation on split zone and go crush a defensive end or on the insert we'll go crush a linebacker. We don't need a tight end. We need a meathead is what we need. Right. I mean, if, if I was Levy and, and they are doing some good things, I don't want to make it sound like they're just God awful. They're not, but how much does Connor near way to high two thirties? I think. I told I told Coach Venables to put Kobe McKenzie at fullback is what I told him. Like if you're gonna play him at 13, Mike, put that dude in the backfield at H, offset him, run insert, run split zone, and run counter, and let him blow up linebackers and defensive ends. I love that idea. I t- I'll I tell you right now. Rudy's, I said, uh, put Kobe McKenzie at fullback at H back. But they won't do it. But I mean, that dude will bring it. I mean that's what you need. Like I said, we don't we we are not tight end is not part of our passing game. And it's not point. overly complicated stuff. It's like, hey man, yeah. you got that guy, or you go back and you block the end man on the line of scrimmage. It's not yeah. like it would take a bunch of time. Right. Yep. Like, hey, that's your guy, that's your guy. You got it? That would be awesome. That's a great probably not gonna happen. But that's Needs a great to. idea. Needs to. Because the Titans currently, and I know that like Joe John Finley's a really good coach, right? And that's where there's just there's just not a lot of pop in that room as blockers or as pass catchers. Like there's just not there's not much, and they need to get something out of that position, or they need to just put another wide receiver on the field, in my opinion. That's that's kind of my point. Is like if it's it's just it's just a blocker, or or I don't know. It, we could throw out all the ideas all day long. It's not going to happen. But you know, I mean, it it's not very effective. Like Stogner, it's just not what he's he's six six. You know, as a linebacker on an insert play or on a lead play. I don't if, if he's six six, I don't care how much he weighs. Give me that guy 
all day long. They're so easy to get under. They, I mean, they're they're not good at those type of plays. And it's the same thing coming all the way across the formation on, on a split zone. It's hard for those guys to win the leverage battle against the DN that's starting with his hand down. You know, it's just it's hard for those guys to win that battle. But we'll see what they do. Yeah, we'll see. Offensive line. Group as a whole, just not creating enough movement in the Renegade. Uh, especially, I mentioned it, the the double teams just, it's two guys on one guy. They are not, and those are the, what I would call, the, the those are the inflection points of the running place. Right? Like, that's where you you have to be good. Right? You have to win your double teams when you got two guys on one. And I think that's the biggest issue right now. Uh, I can just go left to right. We got a lot of guys we got to talk about because a lot of different guys played. Mm-hmm. Walter Rouse, both tackles. I thought it was their worst game of the season for both of them. I For Rouse, I, I didn't think like he wasn't moving great. I thought he had some false steps in the run game that kind of put him in some bad positions. The hold he got called for was, man, thought he was solid in pass protection. I just, it was, it was just underwhelming. It's a you game you, he should dominate. Yeah. And it wasn't a dominant performance. No, it was not. Savion Bird, not really sure what happened, man. Um, it was concerning. And I'm not talking about anything about his play. Right, had some really good snaps when he was out there. He just wasn't out there for very long. He was crying on the sideline. And typically that's one or one of two things, right? In my experience in football. And he did get kind of rolled up on field goal, which was strange. He had like a slight limp going. But if a guy's crying on the sideline, it's usually one of two things. His season is over because of injury. Or it's a head injury. I mean, that's my experience. And I I didn't ask. I didn't want to put any trainer, player, anyone in that situation. But that's either option is not good, especially when you think about the D-line that they're playing coming up on Saturday. Right. So I was was excited to watch him play in this game. I thought it would be a game where he could gain some confidence and, yeah, what he played – 14 snaps on offense. And my last note is, are you okay? Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. My, my guess is it's a concussion, but I, I haven't talked to anyone. I'm just, I'm honestly just speculating. Yeah. Well, um, I, of the options, I mean, that I, I don't know. I, I, Neither option's good. No, neither option's good, but you'd like to have him back this season at some point um, because now we're, we're either going to be really inexperienced or really undersized at guard, right? One or the yes. other. Yeah. Now, Caden Green came in. I thought it was interesting. Like, hey, Bird's out. First guy to come in at left guard was Caden Green. We talked about this some like back in the spring and, and through the summer, like this, if this would ever be an option. Yeah. And I'll start here. He looks massive at guard. 
I mean, just massive, right? And I I really like the strain that he plays with, right? Plays hard, he strains, and he had some good plays, but he's going to be disappointed with the way that it looks on film. But the good thing is, I think it's easily correctable, and I think really the issue is like, hey man, he he just got to, he's got to get used to life in the muck there, baby. Mm-hmm. The interior is a different world. Everything happens quicker, right? And his biggest issue was his feet. He he was not gaining any ground with his steps in the run game. Just picking them up and putting them down. Not, not creating force moving forward. It makes it really hard to move guys if you're not good with your feet in the run game in that situation. I think that's easily correctable. For him, I think he'll see that on tape and go, what was I doing? Right? And it's easily correctable in some of the shorter yardage plays, like down by the goal line. He would, he would, not only was he not gaining ground with his feet, he was hopping, hop and brace. No, you have to get your feet in the ground and play with force through the ground. Force through the ground is how you create force. I, I think. I think the guy fight, fights like hell when he's engaged. But, hey, get the feet right. I think it's a pretty easy fix. I think he'll get more comfortable there in the interior. Just got to get used. Got to get used to life in there, baby. It's different. Yeah. I, I His size could uh, – if, if, if he can get some of the technique and, and footwork down, his size in there could, could end up being a really nice bonus, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he's a strong kid. Yeah. But like you said, that footwork, like, if you don't have the feet right, you don't you're not using big muscle groups. You end up, you know, up on your toes. You're you're you gotta you gotta get the hips into it. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think I think he'll I think he'll be able to fix that pretty easily. Or at least I hope he will. Because he may be starting on the road against two uh two future NFL draft picks at defensive tackle here. Oh, yeah. That that is a very real possibility. Troy Everett played a lot of snaps, played some guard, played some center. I I kind of know what I'm going to get with him now. Battled nicely, had one terrible mental error, but I he he's a guy that's not going to create a ton of movement at the first level, and oh, he does do a nice job working up to the second level, getting on backers, staying engaged, finishing on those guys, but just a little undersized and doesn't create a ton at the point of attack. So I, it, I, I feel like I just say the same thing every single week about him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, there's, there's a role for that. I mean, he's, he's your utility uh, interior offensive lineman, um, you know, not going to overwhelm people with strength and power, but he's going to block the right guy. Going to be able to get up to the second level a little bit. Uh, reliable. There's a place for that. Yeah, Andrew Rain thought he thought he was much better in pass protection in this game. He's still got he's got to get his pads down right in the run game in pass protection. Just got to play lower. Uh, I would like to see the guys on the interior as a whole pass some of the twist games off quicker. Right. I'd like to see their eyes go from here to here 
quicker and recognize that thing, uh, recognize it, communicate it faster, especially Cincinnati's going to do a ton of that stuff where they're going to have to pass a bunch of stuff off. But Rame is really struggling to create movement on double teams in the tight zone variations. And I just, I just disagree with the technique that they're using. I do. I'm just going to make it that simple. They're going high leg technique. He, he is hitting his guards more than he's hitting defensive tackles currently with how he's doing it. Like he is, he's high legging and then he's like throwing a shoulder and he, I I just don't, I don't understand it. And he's, he's typically hitting Matoyer or whoever they're playing at left guard more than he's hitting the defensive tackle. And I don't know why they're keep, why they're doing it. It's not working. It's not working. It's not creating movement. It's just, I, I wish they would reevaluate that, but I'm not is the that, coach. Does that technique, does that make it slower? The but... technique, it, well, first of all, you are much slower coming off the ball with that technique. Traditionally, when you high leg, it's in a duo concept, right? And traditionally, when you high leg, you're, you're either working to a guy that's stacked right over you or kind of even a little backside, but the play, the the flow of the play, you know is going to draw him over so you can be thicker on the double team. The problem with their high-legging it, and not to get too deep in the weeds, they're high-legging it. The backer is almost a little backside. The ball never goes front side in the tight zone concept. So the guy isn't, like the flow, the track of the back is pouring it downhill straight down it's not a zone path or that some people remember like ride 34 ride 35 if you played in, in that type of system it's not ride action so the backer never flows so it may like i he's knocking the is he knocking the guard off on his angle up to the backer he's just knocking the guard off straight up <laughs> it's i it just it doesn't look right to me, okay? I don't know how else to put it. But and, and clearly you're not seeing them make a lot of money in that concept. You're just not seeing it. Real muddy in there. Real muddy, man. A lot of bodies. Um McCabe Matoyer thought he played well. He graded out the best for me. Uh thought he was really consistent. Never questioned his effort. Uh it's not perfect. He still needs to create more movement. Uh, when he, when he's kind of on an island in the run game, held up well in pass protection, got push-pulled again down by the goal line, right? That is on tape, right? Got swamped. That is on tape. He needs to be ready for it now, right? <laughs> Especially this week. Yeah. So uh, other than that, you know, I thought, I thought McKay did a really nice job, but uh, Tyler Guyton, I know he's going to be really disappointed in the way he played. In fact, I could just tell by his body language. Once that first group got taken out of the game, he did not look like a guy who had just played a game where, you know, his team was beating the absolute, absolute hell out of the opponent. Um, he's normally so efficient with his feet. And that was just not, the, I, I thought, it, I thought his feet were the problem in this game. He would freeze them randomly. There's like some hesitation They'd get wide. They'd get narrow. He'd float in his sets, right? He'd go, you know, there's there's kind of this point tackles want to get to, and it's different for every tackle. 
there's kind of this point tackles want to get to in their alignment, like where they're at with the edge guy. He went too far a couple times, got beat inside as a result of it. And uh, it was kind of catching in the run game, which I hadn't really seen from him. He'd been so good at coming off the ball and being decisive with his feet. But yeah, I thought overall the, I thought it was his worst game of the season. And I think it's stuff that's correctable though. Right. And he missed with his hands a few times, but once again, I thought it was all connected to the feet. A little of little all over the place for Guyton. And, you know, with the way that that guy works, I know that I know he'll take correcting that stuff very seriously. He's, he's a much better player than what he put on tape in that game. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm just guessing question wise, but probably maybe got caught oversetting and, and being too quick because now these edge guys were strong, but not super fast get off guys. Yeah. And that's like Kapinski's whole thing. Zero for them. Like he was a, you know, like swatting, go inside type of guy. Like you, you got to know who you're playing against. Right. Yeah. Right. You'll get more straight speed at, uh, at times from upcoming defensive line, but yeah, that's that's got to be you got to take that film work to the to the field. Like, there's a lot of like tackle may be one of the the positions both offensively and defensively where there's more like you've got to study the individual player that you're blocking more so than just like the look or the front that you're getting. Yeah, so. no, but he uh, he played below the level of expectation I have for him, right? And I expect it to not look like that again during the season. But that's just, that's a, I, I've talked about this a lot. I don't view all these guys through the same lens, right? Guyton, I view for through the, hey, you're, you should be a top 15 pick lens. That's not what a top 15 pick should look like against Tulsa. Right. Right. And he knows that. He knows that. Right. He knows what it looks like. So we'll uh we'll see what he how how he bounces back against Cincinnati. All right, let's get to call your shot. You got anything else on the offense before we get to call your shot? I don't think so. I think that's um Did I make you sad with my evaluation of the run game? No, I I think some of it you can just gather just generally watching the offense that it it doesn't feel like there's a lot of space there. Now I do think that I do think teams are, they're piling the box on us a lot. And, you know, we did a good job against Tulsa and backing them out of there with some deep balls, but they still, they didn't change a whole lot of what they did. Um, You've got to be able to make guy make teams pay. If they're going to pile the box on you, I mean, at times you're still going to have to be able to run it, but um, yeah, I'm. I don't know. We hopefully we we get better there. Yeah. All right. Let's get to call your shot. We asked you guys your number one takeaway from the win. This first one comes from at Realist Todd, who says, "DG made a jump from last year to this year. The running back room is full of names, but where's the guy? The BV effect is taking shape on the defense." need to clean up zone coverage or abandon it. <laughs> well, lot to unpack there from our guy, uh, realist Todd. 
they ain't gonna abandon it um but yeah i i i I do agree there's still some times in zone coverage that we are we're not relating close enough to to wide receivers or we're flat out in the wrong spot um gotta clean it up and we're getting better like we're we're a far cry from where we've been previously um and some of those things are just going to happen offenses are good and they create those guys are are smart and they're creating good stuff against you so but i do agree yeah but we're we're all happy with how the defense has looked through three games right yeah now i know the competition is about to ramp up like i'm completely aware of that but and i guess we were pretty pretty pleased with everything through three games last year I, my, I've got a couple of problem areas. The biggest one for me is getting our rush coordinated to where we stop letting the damn quarterback out of the pocket untouched. Like he should have to work to get outside to space. He shouldn't just be able to float out into space and way too many times we're making it easy on him. And we're about to face a really good dual threat quarterback. And they're going to make it a point to get him out of the pocket and put pressure on us downfield. Like that's a lot of the pass plays we've given up are whenever the play's been extended by the quarterback. So Yeah. All right. This other one comes from Will Melton, who says the hate or lack of support for Jeff Levy and DG is utterly ridiculous and should finally be put to rest. DG has been very, very good and is an excellent source of knowledge for Jackson Arnold. Will, do you not know how this fan base operates? Come on, man. Yeah. They're never satisfied. Never satisfied. I mean, that's just how this thing works. Don't fight the losing battle. Right. There's always going to be, yeah, but that one incompletion or yeah, but that one play call. Whenever we've got access to all of our best skill players that are out there on the field. Our offense looks pretty daggum good. I'm with you. All right. Birthday shout outs. Welcome to the world. Jeffrey Sullivan, James and Freddie Lynn James. Nice. Happy third birthday to Atlas Perry and happy 16th birthday to Janie Ford. All right. Let's get to some of our recaps of the best games of week three in college football. But first, John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. They're family-owned and operating. They've got nine full-service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. Carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way, which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program, and here's how it works. Buy a new or used car from them then all you have to do is get all of the manufacturer recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership. And if something goes wrong with the components of your engine, transmission, drive axle, or transfer unit, they will cover the repair costs. It's a great deal. You can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. If your business partners with Insurica, 
You'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. And head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. It's the perfect spot to watch any big game. And with all the garage locations being open at 10 p.m. or later every night, it's the go-to late-night spot. Visit eataththegarage.com to find a location near you and to order online from the garage in your neighborhood. Yeah, those garage locations are open late. You could have watched the uh, Colorado-Colorado State game there. It was a late one. It It was was a a late one. It was a late one. Week three, college football. Let's start with Colorado State at number 18, Colorado. Coach Prime and the Buffs get it done 43-35 in double overtime. A lot to unpack from this football game, Ted, but let's start here. That was that hit on Travis Hunter was dirty as hell. Way late. I'm, yeah, that, I'm shocked that that wasn't. I I, I, I mean, should it be bad. kicked out of the game for that? I feel like you should be kicked out of the game for that. Yeah, if you, I mean, there's different levels of that type of play, right? But I mean, it's a dangerous hit. You it's know, dangerous, and if you hurt someone, yeah, I was. I don't know. That was that was bad. It's not, and I know that that game got really chippy. Um, and part of it was because of that uh, right there. But yeah, you just you just can't do that. Like I'm all for punishing teams physically, but you got to do it within the the laws of the game, the rules of the game. That was that was pretty bad. Yeah, Henry Henry Blackburn robbed us of getting to watch one of the best players in college football in that game. And it sounds like uh, he may be out for a few weeks, according to what Deion Sanders said. And that sucks because they have Oregon and USC next. Yeah. So thanks, Henry. What are you doing, man? That's tough. And I I don't know what they, what they took him to the hospital to be evaluated at some point. Right. Yeah. I don't, there's been no, no details have come out like what's going on, but. Yeah, Dion said, think he's going to be out a couple weeks. That yeah. that is one of the situations where I am. It it should be code of Hammurabi football style, right? Either someone for Colorado gets to just drill Blackburn the way that he did Hunter, or he's got to sit out till Hunter's back. Yeah, just that's that's one of those where it's like this doesn't feel like it feels like something should happen to that guy, you know. Yeah, that was bad. It, you know, especially in that moment, like clearly dirty play, like not a, not a just oh, not overly aggressive. Like sometimes you can be overly aggressive, and something like that may happen. It was clear, like I'm gonna hit this guy. Like he's their best player. I, I'm taking him out. That's what that looked like, right? That's what it looked like to me too, man. Which is. No plus, hey, you and I, we are all about physical football, but that ain't it. That's not it. All right, there, Jay Norvell, just so much coming into the game with the things that he said during his coach's show, right? Talk that talk, coming into the game, and I played for him. 
He is a fiery guy. He is not scared. He is an intense guy. That man is a psycho on game day. And I was disappointed. Like he had a chance to go win the football game there with just over two minutes to go. Fourth and two from the Colorado 45. And I know they end up hitting an incredible punt. I understand that. But. I thought he should have gone for it. I thought they should be more aggressive in that situation. Now, some people must may say, hey, don't let him go 98 yards and then convert the two-point conversion and tie the football game. But, and we'll get to the decision he made in overtime, but I thought, I thought he had a chance. Like, you have a chance. It's one play to go win the game, man. Yeah. They played so well up to that point. Ah, I thought... I hated that he punted in that situation. I thought it was a mistake. I, he may have got caught in the – they were the better football team. I uh, Up to that point, they were the better football team. And you could you could say for a good portion of the game, they were clearly the better football team. And it's one of those, like, if you're the better football team – you take the conservative approach. If you're if you're not the better football team, but you found yourself in a situation where you're going to be able to steal one, you get aggressive. I, I feel like he got caught in that like we don't we don't we're better than them right now. We don't need we don't need to put it on one decision right here. We've done a good job against their offense for a big portion of this football game. Like, I understand his thinking there, but you're still in that environment. Trust the guys and and go get that fourth down. That's that's it's easy to second guess it and say it from here, but I think that probably was the right call. And he'll be second guessing it forever. Yeah. Now, Shadur Sanders, credit to him, man. Credit to the offense. He he did what good quarterbacks do. Right, he made Jay Norvell pay for that decision. Took his team right down the field, accurate throw after accurate throw. Right, they get to the scramble drill for uh, you know for the pass that Jimmy Horn catches that he ends up scoring on. Right, and a really nice design from Sean Lewis on the two point play. Right to get the tight end open there, but Shadur Sanders he continues he continues to impress me. Ted, like the composure in that moment to lead your team on a drive like that, like that's big time football, man. Right. Yeah. I credit credit him. I I don't know. There was a there began to be a weird feeling in the game to where I mean, maybe even a little bit before that drive, where it's like Colorado's going to win the football game. Right. It just you felt like Colorado or. Colorado State had had some opportunities to put the game out of reach and they just didn't get it done and with that environment it just started to feel like momentum's about to be back on their side and they're going to make something special happen and he made the throws whenever he needed to struggled for uh, big portions of the game but whenever they needed to they found some good stuff offensively and he made some really nice plays yeah Nicolosi the quarterback for Colorado State he made he looked awesome some of those throws he made on the run and stuff, he he whew, he was good. Yeah, but so let's talk about the overtime. 
there was a lot of confusion, and it's because something happened that never happens. Colorado wins the toss. They say we want to go on offense first. That that never happens. You always play defense first, right? In overtime. Because so the then you know what then you your offense do. knows what you have to get. So the the way that it works, and the reason there was so much confusion, everyone was like, wait, why? what's going on? It's because if you win the toss, you have the choice for the first overtime, right? And everyone always choose to play defense last. Or excuse me, to play defense first so that your offense knows what you have to get. And that the second overtime, the, the team that lost the flip gets choice. So typically the team that wins, you choose to play defense first your offense is then on the field. The second, the team that lost the flip then chooses to to play defense first, so your offense goes back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Well, that is not what happened here. Everyone was, was like, mistake? what the hell's going on? Or did they, you think that that had to have been a mistake, right? For them I, choosing to go offense first? I don't know, but they did it, and Colorado got a little assistance in that first overtime, right? You had the face mask, you had the targeting. Um, some mistakes from Colorado State, but it it goes back to another mistake I think Jay Norvell made in this game. Colorado just scored. They kicked the extra point. A couple plays, you go right down the field and score. Uh, Horton catches the touchdown. God, that guy had himself a night. My goodness. Mm-hmm. You have the opportunity. One play. Right to go win the football game. I was shocked, shocked when they trotted the field goal team out there. Shocked. I yeah. couldn't believe it. you just got burned for being conservative at the end of the fourth quarter. Go for two and go for the win, man. What are you doing? I don't know. Again, I think that I think going for it is the right call. Just to play like devil's advocate on his side, he he probably the way they helped him out with the penalties probably thought like you know we're going to be able to hold him here. But you're right, like if you're Colorado any, State, if at any point from throughout the week, if someone said to him. You have a chance to win the game with a two-point conversion. Like, game over, walk off the field, it's done. Do you take it? And he would, without a doubt, have said, hell yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I know. Now, they end up losing the football game, right? I Colorado deserves credit. A lot of people say, hey, you're a massive you're a massive favorite. You know, you probably should have lost, but hey, you won the game. Sometimes it's about finding a way when the other teams got it that night and you don't. Yep. And they found a way, man. It uh, I I think Colorado State let them off the hook, but they found a way and that's an extremely valuable experience for those guys. Right? But yeah, I think Colorado State, 
What a missed opportunity for Norvell in that program. Should have won the game. Should have been more aggressive. I, I thought too conservative when you had a chance to go go win the football game. But what an awesome game. I can't believe I, I stayed up the, I for the too. entire football game. I thought it was awesome. Everyone stayed up because they wanted to see the handshake after the game, right? Yeah. It's one of the more like the most anticipated post game handshakes we've seen. Um, that was wild. Like I've I've seen some people on social media, like saying, "How what, were they? Were they like a twenty point favorite? I don't know what the line was. It's like twenty three or twenty four. Yeah. yeah. How can you storm the field when you're a twenty four point favorite? Because you've been horrible forever." And you beat a rival in double overtime. Like, come on. Like, really, like, we're going to get offended that that someone stormed the field whenever they've been uh, a horrible, like, for 15 years or, or whatever it's been. So, I I don't know. I thought that was fun. It's say what you want. I, I still don't know how good Colorado is. They don't need to be good, though, because it's entertaining as hell to watch, isn't it? Yeah. They don't even have to be good. It was, yeah, it was, it was a great game. Also, we talk a lot about Shador. How about Shiloh? Nice. Look good. Both the Dion sons impact players in that game. What he had the pick six. Did you see the pick six? Yeah. He, you can see it. He's like, I'm about to do the Dion Sanders high step. And then he realizes, like, I should not do that. I think this guy's <laughs> about to catch me. And he goes and runs. It was so funny to watch. You could literally see the wheels spinning as he's about to do it. And then he had a forced fumble. Like, he was extremely impactful. And, and yep. last thing I have on this game, we talked about tight ends impacting games. Yeah. Right? And the lack of impact that OU's getting from that position. The tight end play in this game. Harrison for Colorado. He was the most important player in their fourth quarter in the overtime. Yep. And then Holker for Colorado State. Sign sign me up for one of those guys. That was why don't we have one of those guys? That shoestring catch was really nice. Um that is a big dude well. that can run. Yeah. I, how big is he? He looks massive. Yeah. He he was he was running well, had the big old uh, arm brace on or whatever that was make him look even bigger that's like I was trying to replicate Gronkowski or something with that I think but that was cool I mean that was a couple of those catches were awesome there was some really exciting plays in that game yeah that was like an some, awesome football game top-notch quarterback play at times some of those throws from the Colorado State guy were just like whoa uh, he was I didn't know anything about that kid yeah it was uh that was a fun one and the the Colorado situation, like they're the talk of college football, man. And it just yeah. continues to roll on. Now, I think we're about to find out how good they are. Yeah. And it should be interesting. I hope Travis Hunter's okay. I hope he can play in those games. It's going to be such a bummer if you he know. doesn't. Ugh. What could it be? I don't know. Sternum? Like He took it right to the chest, right? Like a broken sternum or like ribs or internal bleeding like i don't know man just it was bad i think i think he'll play i i because i didn't see anything like i didn't see like concussion i didn't see like joint stuff 
I I I think it's one of those things where he probably hurt his sternum or something and was having trouble breathing, and they wanted to go check and make sure there wasn't anything going on internally. That's yeah, I, just like a a far outside view of it. When when I saw it initially, like when I heard he went to the hospital, I was like, I wonder if he has like a collapsed lung. Yeah, or something. Dude, he got blasted. Mm-hmm. So I we'll see, but it's gonna be. It's going to be a real shame if he doesn't play in these next two. I, I mean, that's that's unfortunate. All right. Other game I wanted to talk about. K-State went to Missouri and got beat. 30-27. to 27, The Tigers get it done on a 61-yard game-winning field goal from Harrison Mevis. Mevis. Ted, man, that is a tough way to lose a football game. I know it. <sighs> I don't I And it was really confusing because on the broadcast they were like, there's flags everywhere, there's flags all over the field. And then they just didn't talk about it. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know what went on there. I don't know if maybe they thought it was a numbers issue, like too many guys on the field. I I maybe maybe Kansas State had too many guys out there and they know it's like a you know, they're they're gonna wave it off. I don't I don't know, but this was a, such a weird game going into it because, you know, I kept looking at the line. It's like, come on, what is happening here? Uh, with the way that that game is like, it kept getting lower and lower. And uh, it's, it's it's one of those things we talked about. It's like, it, it's Kansas State's entire team against Luther Burden. Like, can they throw the ball up enough to him and let him do some things to keep them around in the game? And that dude's a stud. I as I was, you know, kind of taking notes from watching this game, my top highlighted note was one team had Luther Burden and one team did not. Yeah. He is electric, man. I thought he was the best player on the field. Now, if you like hobbled quarterbacks, this was the football game for you. Mm. I mean, you saw just Brady Cook and Will Howard both just really, especially in the second half, really struggling to move around. I thought I liked Eli Drinkwitz's aggressiveness in this game, right? I mean, early in the game, goes for it on the fourth and goal, ends up paying off, right? Cook had the rushing touchdown. Thought that was a massive play and a massive decision in the game. Chris Kyman was a fourth and two late. Like, he did not have the same aggressiveness. I thought he could have been aggressive in that moment. He was not. But really, I thought this game came down to what I would – Categorized as uncharacteristic mistakes. Yeah. For Kansas State. How you leave Luther Burden uncovered for a 47 yard touchdown? I have no clue. He's the best player on their team. You have to know where he's at all times. How he's running by himself, I've got no answer. They blew another coverage, right? Mookie Cooper is like 40, it was like a 41 yarder, right? They had. K-State had three plays. Now, they ended up scoring on both drives, but they had three plays where touchdowns got called off for penalties, right? 5.55 to go in the game. Game is on the line, right? It's coming down to these last couple series. Trayshawn Ward, he's going to, it looks like at least, he's going to walk in for a touchdown. Didn't get the snap off in time. Delay a game. Have to settle for a field goal. 
I mean, they had a false start when they got the ball, like false start. It just, there were a lot of mistakes uh, for Kansas State that you typically, that it's not, it's not the type of mistakes you expect from that team. Yeah. And, you know, just th- in our game against Tulsa, you know, I said, you know, defensively, pretty good. We had a handful of mistakes that easily correctable. But like we had two plays where one was a blown coverage, one was just, I mean, it was a good play, but I think it started by being late and lazy with an adjustment. And I, we, when you play close games, I, it just takes one lapse, one busted coverage for an easy walk-in touchdown for someone for 40 or 50 yards, and you get beat. I, and right now, just like last year, I'm I'm not sure how much of a margin for error we have against teams in in conference that when we're going to play better competition, to where like those things are okay in a game where you're going to score you know as many points as you want. But as things get more difficult, the mistakes that cost you a game get smaller and smaller and smaller. So. I mean, it's just – it's a lesson. You look around the country and see some of these games like Kansas State shooting themselves in the foot on on things they typically don't do. Or you got a, a winnable game on the road in non-conference against an SEC opponent, and you walk out of there really upset at yourself because of some easy things that you don't typically do. Yeah. Last thing on this game, Ben Sennett may be one of the most underrated players in the country. That dude is a beast at tight end. He'll do it all. He blocks like crazy, too. Yeah. I mean, he was huge for them in this game. But it's a good win for Missouri. I I expected Kansas State to go down there and handle business. And to Missouri's credit, they did a good job of getting their playmakers to football. And, you know, they they didn't have some of the some of the big time mistakes that that Kansas State had, right? Yep. Thought the crowd was really good, was really into it, looked like a really fun environment. And that that feels like a like a really big win for Drinkwitz. We'll see, we'll see where the rest of the season goes for Missouri. But yeah, that was that felt really important for him. Yeah, for sure. I still think Kansas State's on the short list for for Big 12 teams that uh, most likely end up in the championship game. We'll see how they respond. Yeah, they got to they got to get that offensive line healthy and intact. But hey, we'll we'll see. Yeah, I'm with you. I I still think they're a really good football team. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, do you have difficulty sitting for long periods of time or can't lay on your side due to pain? Well, it's a hip thing, and the only person to go see is Dr. Brandon Johnson at the Hip Clinic in Oklahoma City. No matter your age, the Hip Clinic has the experience and knowledge to help ease your hip pain and preserve your hip joint. Don't let the pain hold you back any longer. Don't just accept a hip replacement. Call the Hip Clinic today at 844-KEEP-HIP or visit thehipclinicokc.com. College football fans, are you in good hands? Because the insurance from Allstate, you'll have a winning game plan, like a reliable coverage and protection for everything life throws at you. Because just like how great protection can save a football game, it can also save you money. 
So get protected with Allstate. Visit Allstate.com or call a local agent today to learn more. Brought to you by Allstate. You're in good hands. And Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? They did it. They did it. Unbelievable. Iowa, Gabe. Iowa got over the number 25 points. They uh, they hit the massive number of 41 against Western Michigan, trying to get back ahead of the curve whenever it comes to uh, their points average for Coach uh, Brian Ferentz. That's, that's huge news. Are you, are you just going to give us an Iowa scoring update every single week, pretty much? Probably, yeah. I think well, it's telling and- whenever you're beating Western Michigan and you're still trying to pad the stats late in the game in the fourth quarter, trying to punch some in. Now, the most impressive part is they didn't score on defense at all. They, those are all offensive scores, pal. <laughs> yep, all offensive scores. You got to love it. Um, uh, such a weird dynamic. Um, I, I've grown to dislike Iowa football for whatever reason. I don't know what it is. Um, I actually should like the way that they perform, but I don't know. There's something there. I've, I've been rooting against them for quite some time, but they got out back ahead of the curve. Um, but once they start Big Ten play, let's all be honest, they won't score more than 17. We'll see. That defense is pretty legit, though. They are. They're good. So, yeah, it is. I, I do enjoy you keeping us updated. Thank you. <laughs> I, I will say, I saw some of that game. Kate McNamara is, I mean, he had a couple interceptions. He still doesn't look healthy. Like, their quarterback situation is strange. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's Iowa. Okay, yeah, it's good point. Iowa. When have they not been uh, – it? What you got to go back to like banks at quarterback? Like how many game changers have they had at quarterback? I, I don't, I don't. It's very minimal, very minimal. Yeah, it's good though. Hey, forty-one for the Hawkeyes. Good, good for you guys. That's awesome. All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? A, a bunch of options this weekend. Uh, by the way, it was a weird week, but I, I couldn't settle on Alabama or Iowa State. Uh, Both look bad. Probably have to go towards Iowa State since they lost the game and Alabama won. But, you know, as I learned in White Men Can't Jump, sometimes when you win, you actually lose. So, um, Bama had to qualify as loser of the week as well. Wow. That, I mean, it was 3-3 to at halftime of that game. And... For the vast majority of the fourth quarter, it was a one-score football game. I think Bama scored with like 30-something seconds left to go in the game to win 17-3. to I mean, I, I, I know they're coming off a tough loss, right? Everyone's telling them how bad they are. 
it's almost like they believed people. That was it was really strange to see them struggle with the team like South Florida for that long. That was I can only imagine what that fan base is feeling right now. Oh my gosh. It's crazy because like what like to me the strangest thing about it is how bad their offensive line is playing. Um that's been like one of the hallmarks the, the amount of draft picks they've had at, at offensive line during Saban's tenure has been huge and they've got great recruits there. I mean, they still have like technically speaking, if you go off like the star rating, the best roster in all of college football, but it don't look like it when you watch that offensive line, that left tackle, he ain't got it. And I don't, I don't know what they're going to do, but this could, could potentially be, a really bad year for Alabama, like really bad if they don't pull it together, which I they're still capable of pulling things together, but some better, something better happen quickly. I, I honestly, there, there was so much being made about their quarterback situation coming into the year, right? They'd had such a good run that a big part of me was just like, Oh, they, they got another guy. Like and they have to have be so guy. good everywhere else that like even like you'll make a, a a subpar quarterback compared to what you've had previously look way better than he is, right? But yeah, they'll be fine, right? I mean, but they started Buckner, Ty Simpson came in. They were a combined ten of twenty three for one hundred and seven yards at so, Alabama with those skill guys, and I know. A lot of people, oh, they don't have like first rounders at wide receiver. Well, they, they got a bunch of two day two picks, day three guys, like 107 yards passing for Bama. And they didn't, it's they didn't play Georgia. No, they played South Florida. You shouldn't need you shouldn't need a bunch of first round picks to go handle South Florida. I don't know, man. Yeah, that was that was very but i thought that they were going to murder that team like uh-huh. the bounce back i thought it was going to be the big bounce back like oh pray for those young men from south florida they're they're catching bama just like at their angriest point and that's not that's not what happened and that was that was strange but hey at least they won the game and nick saban didn't try to <laughs> Come after it, he would like Matt Campbell did with that guy that was yelling at him. Oh what do you say? Gosh. Hot seat, Campbell. You're on the hot seat, Campbell. You're on the hot seat. Which, uh, last thing on the Bama deal real quick, though. Like, what I saw from that game, my biggest takeaway was, how in the hell did they keep it within 10 uh, with Texas? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was, but Iowa State, man, they have it's been a horrible offseason for them and it's like offensively there's just nothing there nothing and that's somewhat been the case for them at times but dude they're in, they're in a world of hurt the they scored ohio scored 10 points and won the game uh, i mean it, it their offense you can say whatever you want about the system. It's been the same problem the last couple of years. Their offensive line stinks. Mm-hmm. They stink. They couldn't run the ball against Ohio. 
they had 38 yards rushing against Ohio. Rocco Beck was their leading rusher. Cartavius Norton, who I don't know if you've seen him, number five for them, that dude is built. And he's got some juice, man. Nine carries, 15 yards. Their O-line stinks. Stinks. Their defense gave up 10 points and they lost to Ohio. (laughs) Can you imagine the divide in that locker room right now? Like, hey, guys, can we please get some help? Brutal. I, I, I mean, I don't know what the future holds there for Campbell. I mean, I think he's safe. Like, I, he, he's a good coach. Uh, he's going to be doing everything he can to make some offensive changes. But at some point, he's probably going to lose his DC, isn't he? He, I, I don't know. Haycock's kind of an older guy. I think he's yeah. just. But he, did Campbell miss his opportunity? To take, like, a big, big job? Probably. Starting to feel that way, right? Yeah. I mean, he was the hottest name in the streets for multiple years. They had that that program that came through that was just – had so many really, really good players, and they had, like, eight tight ends on their team, and that's, like – I don't know how good their offensive line ever really was, but they were so good at tight end. And they could do so many deep, different things out of that 13 personnel. They were just hell to deal with because they could power run game you, but they could split those guys out and and have mismatches. They don't have that anymore. No. We'll see how it goes for them in Big 12 play, but a rough start to the season mm. for the Cyclones. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first, elevate your tailgate with Chapel Supply and Equipment in Oklahoma City. Chapel Supply and Equipment has generators and inverters on hand that'll give you all the power you need so you can take your tailgate to the next level. They also have the top of the line heaters to keep you warm during those cold tailgates later in the season. They're Oklahoma owned and operated. Elevate your tailgate by calling 405-495-1722 or visit chapelsupply.com. That's C-H-A. P-P-E-L-L supply.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. Come on now, people. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. And head to OpolisClothing.com for our podcast merchandise and the best OU gear out there. That's O-P-O-L-I-S Clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off. That's OpolisClothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. For my winner of the weekend, give me the Florida Gators. Big win. Not how I thought this one was going to go, especially with the way that the game started, right? Florida misses that field goal. Joe Milton takes the balls right down the field. And I think a lot of people, including myself, were like, "Uh uh-oh, Florida, you might be in trouble. False. False. Run game was fantastic for the Gators, right? You, You think about how that game started, and then Travis Etienne just, 
answers, rips off that long touchdown run. And it was all Florida for the most part the rest of the way, man. I mean, that's a really nice win for that football team, especially with how they looked, you know, going and losing to Utah, just how unorganized and sloppy it looked for them to play that way to really dominate the point of attack in that game. Huge for the program, really big for Billy Napier. And now Tennessee has lost 10 straight in the swamp. 10 That's straight. Brutal. That's crazy. I thought that they were, they were um, like, there's a lot of those streaks with Tennessee right now. You know, the Alabama one that, that they finally got over the hump on. I, I thought hype was going to be tearing down all those old streaks, but um, that's a tough one, man. I, I, I still think Tennessee should have won that game. I know it, it, it ended up not looking like that down the I, stretch. I but. do not think they should have because we talked about the lack of space and OU's rushing attack. Yeah. Space on space on space. Now, ETN and Johnson. Johnson's a hell of a back, too. Both of those guys, some of those one-on-one situations, made guys miss, mm-hmm. ripped off big runs. But And the tackling for Tennessee was not good. It was not good. You you give you give the Florida guys credit. You also have to say, hey, balls, you got to tackle better, especially in their secondary. But that Florida offensive line was doing work, man. I yeah. I don't think there was anything really fluky about this. I think I think Florida kind of beat them up at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I mean there is a there is kind of a trend though. Whenever you look across a lot of the games, and it's typical early in the season, but we're not we're not that early in the season a bunch of like unforced errors and mistakes penalties free runners and you know teams uncharacteristic of of what good football teams typically do and I can't tell nationally if anybody is any good I I got no idea man (laughs) you know what I'm saying like I don't know I don't know if anybody's any good like even Oklahoma, I I go from thinking this looks like a conference championship football team to we're going to lose to Cincinnati next week. I I don't. There's who knows who's good and who's not. I I've got no clue. But in that game, Tennessee, they were the ones that made the major mistakes. Yep. Right. You had the Milton interception, which, by the way. People are just making it sound like he just threw it that way. The guy got hit when he was throwing the ball. Can we just tone it down a little bit on the criticism for him? They had, I mean, how many false starts did they have? I mean, so many. They had all the missed tackles. And then they had the worst play I've seen. Tennessee had the worst play I've seen all year long up to this point in college football. Fourth and one. Florida is on their own 33-yard line. Fourth and one, own 33. What happens? Mertz claps. He just claps. And the defensive tackle for Tennessee jumps off sides. First down. I thought Josh Heifel. going to snap the ball, or were they? No, they weren't going to snap the ball. They were in complete control of the game, and they were on their own 33. I I I thought Josh Heupel was going to pass away in that moment. 
I mean, I just out of all this, it's the stupidest play I've seen all year long up to this point. But I really didn't think Joe Milton was that bad. Was he Hinden Hooker level good? No, but I thought he was all right. I I thought he's fine. Run game just really didn't get going for the Vols. Right. And on the other hand, Florida's run game was just fantastic. And Mertz did he did another he had another nice game manager type of game, Ted. Yeah. If you can't if you can't run the ball and you can't stop the run, it's hard to go on the road and beat anyone of any substance. All right. No and doubt. In those that environment, that's how you could take the crowd out of it, take the momentum out of it. And you, if you you miss tackles, turn the ball over, make middle errors in critical moments, you just you can't beat anyone that's that's any good. I am going to bring up my old man complaint once again. My last thought on this game, right? And I know it's different when you're in the stadium, but I was watching this on television. Please stop turning the lights out when the guys score. The celebration's like the part I want to see. It's like they're showing him they got the up close camera and it's dark. I just don't turn the lights off. I want to see him celebrate. I I know that the the big rage in college football is the light show when the when touchdowns are scored. I get it, but I don't like watching it on TV. It sucks. I've got a fix. Like Ooh. they've got they've got the run on the field camera guy that does the celebration they need a run on the field spotlight guy yes it's a brilliant idea just spotlight the individual guy that scored the touchdown and the celebration with the teammates and whatever he's doing for the people on tv let everyone in attendance enjoy the the light show and all of that stuff easy fix you got to complain to the right people though yeah who do we know at espn that can make this happen I don't know anyone at ESPN. Uh, Holly Rowe. I'm texting her. Hey, <laughs> fix this. Fix this. I want to see him celebrate. I don't want it to be dark when the guys are celebrating after scoring awesome touchdowns. Thank you for it, coming. It look, all it looks like is they lost power in the stadium at a weird moment. Yeah. Is what it looks like on TV. Yeah, and I can't see him celebrate. That's like the best part. But once again, I know it's a very old man take. I'm getting up there, though. You know, so here we are. Not bad. All right. For my loser of the weekend. Thought about going with Cincinnati. One job. One job. Beat Miami of Ohio to set up an exciting football game next weekend. Fox Big Noon kickoff, your first Big 12 game. Your host in Oklahoma, who has carried the banner for this conference for forever. One job. Also, don't make Teddy and I look like idiots because we've been telling people how good they look. Not helpful, Cincinnati. Uh, and I think it's a it's a horrible scenario. Obviously, like nationally, you wanted it to be a big matchup, but no matter what you say, it's harder to like if a team loses to someone bad, it affects like how someone prepares for them. It just it's human nature, right? Correct. It's like, oh, they lost to Miami of Ohio. They can't be that good. And the the guard just comes down a little bit. Not a good scenario. Don't like it. One job, Cincinnati. That defense, they got gashed, man. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't, I haven't have watched watch the tape it. yet, yeah. but I'm, I'm interested to see because the defense that you and I had watched for them up to that point, I what happened? I, I, I don't know well, yet, but we'll let gash, people know when we preview the game. Yeah. The gashes they had against Pittsburgh, which there was a couple of them, were typically – as the quarterback was hitting, getting hit by five guys, he was like throwing the ball like that, and someone would happen to catch it. I I wonder if the same thing happened against Miami. I I don't know. <laughs> we'll let you guys know on our preview episode. All right, but my loser of the weekend, Oklahoma State. Yikes! I mean, game was never close. No, never close. Got dominated. By South Alabama on their own field, 33 to 7. And absolutely nothing fluky about it. South Alabama, it was a more physical team. It was the better team at the line of scrimmage. It had better skill players. I mean, Ted, I don't know. I'm not a historian on Oklahoma State football. This is the worst loss. Like, this has to be the lowest point that fan base has felt in a very long time like getting smacked by k-state last year that's one thing okay right k-state ended up winning a conference title south alabama comes to your house and does this whoa Uh, again a, a weird week in college football i don't know if anyone's any good cincinnati loses to miami Iowa State loses to, I can't even remember off the top of my head. Ohio. Ohio. Uh, Oklahoma State loses to South Alabama. I mean, it just was not a good week for the Big 12. Like, Kansas State loses to Missouri. At least that's a Power 5 football program. I mean, that's that's tough. And you're right. Not a fluke. Like, what was that game? Was it Central Michigan? Yeah, the Hail Mary, Hail Mary game. Yeah, like a bunch of weird things happened in that game. And not right. that it's that makes it okay, but nothing weird happened in this game. You got run over. Yeah, South Alabama had the most impactful quarterback in Carter Bradley, most impactful running back in LaDamian Webb, most impactful wide receiver in Colin Lacey, who, by the way, it better be a family name. That guy spells Colin, C-A-U-L-L-I-N. What are we doing? C-A-U-L-L-I-N, Colin. Just brutal. Now, you run by guys like he did, I guess you can spell it however you want, but just a brutal spelling, a brutal spelling. That's funny. But I've said this for years now, and I think Oklahoma State fans, they've they've agreed with me on it, but, you know, I'm going to know you guys, so they – or say you're just being extra critical of Oklahoma State. Their offensive line stinks. They stink. I mean, it's gross. They, it's been years now. They can't get anything going consistently in their running game. It's bad. QBs were getting hit. I mean, had some impactful plays in this game called back for holding on the O-line. And now, I will say, Oklahoma State's, Quarterbacks could use a lesson in what we call stepping up into the pocket as opposed to floating just aimlessly to the edges and into the arms of defenders. 
mm-hmm. but it's just the the offensive line play for them it's just, it's poor I mean it's poor well and this is a a topic for another day perhaps but it feels as if there is an epidemic of poor offensive line play across the country and I don't know what it is I don't know if it's the style of offenses I don't I don't know what's going on but there's there's some really bad offensive line play out there yeah in on on power five teams and I get it not everyone's gonna be loaded with a bunch of five-star talent but I I can I share one thought on it sure I think I think RPOs and how some college teams utilize those I think it's quite possibly the most detrimental thing to high level offensive line play that we've seen in a long time. Yeah. A lot of these guys are being coached to be super measured off the ball, right? Don't get too far downfield because if the quarterback gets this certain look, then he's going to throw it in behind the linebacker. And that changes how you coach the techniques. And I think it's all shit. I agree. Come off the rock and hit someone, man. Play with velocity and violence, and if you swing and miss, it's all right. Let's go. Next snap. That guy across from you is going to know. It's coming. I am pouring it downhill at you all day long. Yeah. Let's go. And we've got all this slow step, waddling shit. It's Some of it is awful to watch. It's awful. I hate it. Yeah. And I think it's all RPO related. And I I think that's why you see so many teams struggle to like truly run the ball at a high level because it's everything like some teams like they may not even call it just a true run play throughout a game. It's like, hey, there's a there's a bubble, there's a slant, there's a quick out built on everything. And I get you want to have options, but let your let your guys come off the rock some, man. It's just, as you can tell, I get frustrated. With hey, I'm with you. I, I don't know. Like, networks, it, people are, like, they're convinced that that's what people want to see. And I, I just, I don't know, man. I flat out disagree. The the way to improve, I, I, I believe this wholeheartedly. Play the same rules as the NFL. Correct. The number one way you can improve offensive line play in college football is to apply the same illegal man downfield rules as the National Football League. Yeah. Because then all the RPO shit goes away. Yeah. Can't do it. You can't you can't have your tackle waddling up to a linebacker, sneaking up on him four yards down the field with the quarterback saying, Oh, I'm gonna throw this land in behind. Take it out, and we'll get better offensive line play. I hate it with every fiber of my being. That being said, Oklahoma State's offensive line still stinks. Yeah, <laughs> and yes. I Gunner Gundy looks the best to me, and maybe it's because of what he can do with his legs. But I don't know. I think they should just roll with him, personally. Um, but that is that is a brutal loss for Mike Gundy. I mean, all of. 
people will put up with all the stuff if you're winning games, right? But if you're getting housed by South Alabama on your own field, all that stuff he does, it gets real old real quick. And you could see that in the post-game press conference. Some oh, pushback yeah. going on. And like that is a that's a locker room dividing, a locker room losing type of loss. I mean, that's they better get things right quickly or it could could turn into a real nightmare. One last thing on that game. Proud parenting moment. So my wife went to that game with two of her best friends who are both Oklahoma State grads. First of all, don't even think about it. Like my no one in my family wore orange. Hell no. Made that very clear. Uh, it was white and black, okay? Should have worn crimson, damn it. Yeah. But my two-year-old went to the game. Of course, did not wear any orange, just some generic football gear, right? Like kind of like football pajamas almost. And I guess he was just screaming boomer the entire time, which is Yeah. Yeah. You guys should have thrown him in a like a an OU 30 jersey, Trace Ford jersey. Oh man. That would have gone over well. That would have been really good. <laughs> that would have been good. But proud parenting moment just That's by awesome. son at an Oklahoma State game with because my my wife's friends they both have they both have daughters my son's age so he's you know he's hanging out with two, his two best friends and just like hey boomer let's go yeah he's yes, gonna be son. the boomer guy growing up that yells it in a crowded group of people undoubtedly <laughs> undoubtedly gonna be that guy on that note episode 354 in the books we'll have a new podcast that'll drop on wednesday we'll preview ou cincinnati just a reminder you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great start to your week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Night,